Hello and welcome to the Richard Hunter interview. As ever, this is, a, this is a place where I'll be discussing matters of interest with a whole range of investment experts. In this episode, I'm pleased to be joined again by Stephen Yu, Lead Manager of the LF Blue Whale Growth Fund. Stephen is the Chief Investment Officer at Blue Whale Capital, which he co-founded with Peter Hargreaves in 2016. The LF Blue Well Growth Fund was launched in September 2017 and is a long-only global equity fund focusing on large-cap companies in developed markets. Stephen adopts a high-conviction, active approach based on bottom-up fundamental research. The fund's assets under management surpassed £850 million in June 2021. Perhaps um, you could firstly remind us of the strategy and indeed uh, investment objective of the fund. The investment philosophy is very simple. We invest into high quality businesses at an attractive price. And the aspiration of the fund is to deliver significant outperformance relative to the market or the IA global sector. Yeah, okay. And uh, on that basis, perhaps you could also, uh, again, run through with us the kind of sector and geographical allocation that the fund has. Yep. This is an interesting question because if you come to our website, you would probably see that we have 70% exposure to U.S. equities. But because most of our company in the U.S. are global companies, so if you actually do a look through of the underlying revenue where the where this company are making money that we have less than 50% exposure to the US economy and then about 25% in Europe including UK and the rest 20% in Asia and rest of the world which is something that you don't see on the fact sheet and I think the other thing which is equally interesting if you come to our fact sheet under GICS in terms of sector location you will see that we have over 50% in technology but there are certain company that we would probably disagree with how TICS categorized them as technology. For example, MasterCard or Visa is categorized as technology under GICS, but from our perspective, it's more to do with financial services. So basically, based on the internal breakdown of the sector that we have only about a quarter of the funding technology, and we do have exposure to consumer brands in uh, uh, media, entertainment companies, and medical equipment companies, etc. And at the same time, we do have some technology names as well. Yeah, you make an interesting point there because, of course, with um, 99.9% of the companies in the world now using technology uh, to a lesser or greater extent, perhaps at some stage we're going to have to start thinking about perhaps how to reclassify or even describe these companies. I I think that's correct because because a lot of companies that, even if you you think about what the reason they're doing quite well is because that they have embraced a lot of digital transformation within the business. At the same time, they're able to roll out the products quite quickly to consumers or to businesses. And if you think about what happened last year when we have the pandemic, there's a lot of things that couldn't take place. And even, for example, a lot of business meeting have, is now done virtually. So if a company is providing such a service, that would, would you be suggesting that they are kind of replicating what you can get if you were to host a meeting in a hotel or restaurant or some exhibitions, but then now you do it virtually. So I think the line is getting a bit more uh, close uh, to each other. Absolutely. Um, so in, in terms of um, the, the, the fund as it stands, could you perhaps talk us through some of your top holdings and positions? 
Yep, I, I, I'm happy to talk, touch on a few names. I, I mean, as I outlined earlier that we do like uh, certain businesses that are exposed to digital transformation. I think Adobe being one, they are the market leader in create, content creation software in the world. I mean, we would be familiar with the products such as Photoshop or some video editing app. We do like luxury brands like Caring is uh, the pairing company of Gucci. We use the own Montclair and we feel that the valuation of Caring is pretty attractive at the moment. They're going to celebrate the 100th uh, anniversary this year. And then we also have Nintendo, which is a gaming entertainment company. We feel that the uh, they are now in terms of the Switch, how they're rolling out uh, the the, the kind of the hardware is more linked to like an iPhone cycle. So instead of coming up with like a new new set of uh, console, they are able to now uh, take advantage of the content that they have in terms of different games and people are just going to upgrade to the new console, which will be the Switch Pro later this year. And then as I talked about earlier, that we also like digital payment companies such as MasterCard, Visa or PayPal, which we would categorize them as financial services rather than technology. Yeah, sure. And um, in, t- in terms of th- this, uh, this other blurring of boundaries, you mentioned the geographical differences earlier. Uh, what within your portfolio? What would we normally recognise as, as perhaps a, a European company, for example? So in in Europe, uh, we do uh, we used to have Unilever in in in, in the fund. Uh, we used to have a, a company uh, called uh, Dassault Systems, which we no longer have. And at the moment, most of the company that we have are actually in the US uh, because I think it's just the opportunity set is better. Uh, we do have one or two uh, smaller company in the medical equipment space that are kind of European based. But I think if you really focus on valuation of where the opportunity comes, that it seems like the opportunity lies with the American company, but they are actually global. So they are actually selling to Europe at the same time. And so, yeah, that's what we have. Now, we, we last spoke in the middle of June 2020, uh, obviously amid the market turmoil caused by the pandemic, and certainly long before the announcement of the vaccine uh, in November. Um, if it's possible, could you summarise your views of 2020 and what happened? Yes, it, it seems to be quite a long time ago now when people talk about 2020. But I think if people remember that you can probably split the market into two halves. One is the COVID period, which is during the first half. And then you have the vaccine period, which is during the second half or with the US election taking place as well. And if you look at the performance of the fund that we have done pretty well during the pandemic sell-off in the market, we managed to lose less money than the market. But then when the market uh, recover in Q2 last year that we managed to do better than the market. So in Q1 that we managed to deliver some sort of positive returns relative when the market was still in the negative territory. But I think if you look at what happened in the second half, especially in Q4, when the vaccine news came came, came up and also with the US election uh, took place uh, in November, that the market had become quite excited or optimistic about some sort of reopening trade and and that's a lot of uh industry that are we deem as low quality at the same time highly cyclical which we're not into they, they have done extremely well so basically if you look at the performance of the fund since sometime in q3 or q4 last year that we have been going sideways 
So we, we haven't gone up, we haven't gone down, but the market has been going up. So we, we have actually given back a few percent of our performance in the second half of last year. But still, I think having said that, that if you look at the entire year, the calendar year 2020, the fund was up about 26% and the market, including the recovery in Q3, Q4 was up about 15%. So the fund still have managed to do, uh, deliver about 10% of performance in 2020. I think what is interesting is in 2021 this year, that uh, to date for the first half of this year, the fund is pretty much in line with the market, which we are up about 10%. The market is up about 10%. But I think the journey throughout the 10% wasn't a straight line because in the first quarter of this year that we have actually underperforming the market, as I outlined that the the momentum in the market in terms of uh, being quite excited about the reopening trade, the inflation, reflation trade, etc., that we felt that the, the market has got overly ahead on uh, uh, versus the fundamentals and and then since our company reported their results in in Q4 last year in which they reported in Q1 and then Q1 result in Q2 this year that the fundamentals of our company remain very strong so you would have seen the performance of the fund has recovered quite quickly just over the last uh, couple of months and hence we are in line with the market now uh, to date in performance terms. So just sticking for the moment with 2020, uh, did last year's volatility uh, give you the opportunity on a pricing basis to add new names to the portfolio or indeed cause you to remove some of the names that you had? Yeah, I think the the period when we experienced the the most extreme volatility would be sometime in February and March. I mean, it's quite a long time ago now. But at the time that we were holding about over 10% in cash, on the fund level because we felt that the valuation was not attractive before the pandemic kicked off. So during the pandemic sell-off that the the extreme in volatility, including in the stocks that we owned, that we managed to take advantage of those sell-off in the market, including the stocks that we have, and then we managed to buy more of those companies at a very attractive valuation. And hence I think you could explain that why in Q2, we managed to do much better than the market. It's not just a recovery of the names that we have, which they they are pretty good names and they have a lot of them. They are net beneficiary from COVID. But at the same time, we managed to we deploy a lot of cash during the pandemic sell-off. So I think volatility to us is a useful tool as long as we felt that the fundamentals of those companies have not changed. Now, you mentioned uh, valuations there um, pre-pandemic. We're obviously now at a stage where what may be a temporary uh, putting to one side of inflationary and interest rate concerns has seen the three main US indices, the S&P 500, the Dow, and indeed the NASDAQ um, at new record closing highs. So in in terms of where we are now in in 2021, what do you think the outlook is and, and how are you positioned? It's quite it's quite difficult if you look at the wider market because I think ultimately uh, we we run a high conviction portfolio between about twenty five and thirty five names at the moment it's just short of thirty names and we felt that the company that we have in the fund that the valuation remain attractive but then we we do agree with a lot of commentators that if you look at the market if you look at certain companies that we felt that the valuation is too expensive or they are too overpriced for what the fundamentals might 
might come into play. And um, we we definitely would not disagree that some sort of like bubbly territory in the market. And and so I think the way to, to probably to 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 go through this uh, without too much hiccup is you continue to focus on high quality businesses, which we do. You continue to focus on company that could deliver the earnings growth trajectory irrespective whether the environment is COVID like last year or whether that will be reopening, which we felt that a lot of digital transformation would continue to take place while we might be coming, um, while might be, uh, while the economy reopen. So I think if you manage to stick to those companies, then irrespective of what the market might be, over time you would end up doing better than the market. But I think the difficulty is on a shorter term basis. Like if you ask me what's going to happen in the next six months, which we have still six months to go for calendar year 2021, I think that's the difficult call because I think there's a lot of market positioning. There's a lot of speculations on when the Fed is going to taper, when the Fed might be raising interest rates. That is something that is very difficult to get to the get a good grip of. But if you focus on the fundamentals of the company, as I mentioned earlier, that even though a lot of company that we have in the fund, let's say if you're talking about Microsoft, which they have teams, a lot of people, people are actually conducting business meeting through teams, that is not going to away. A lot of people are going to come back to work maybe later this year. But then I think a lot of times that we will still have virtual meetings on a business perspective. And at the same time, I think a lot of people have got used to or more comfortable with shopping online compared to before, especially groceries that in the past that you would argue that people want to pick their own fresh fruits in a supermarket. But now people have actually got used to it. So I'm sure some people would go back to the supermarket to do some shopping or go to a restaurant. But then I think the takeaway culture, the delivery culture would continue in place. And so a lot of companies that have benefited on the back of pandemic last year is only have become stronger in terms of competitive positioning now versus before. So I think that trend will continue. But at the same time, in terms of what we have in the fund is we also do have companies that are exposed to uh, the COVID-19 reopening trade, such as you can even argue like MasterCard and Visa, they have not done well because of the cross-border transactions, which is international travel if we're not allowed to go to uh, Europe for our holidays and we're not going to use the credit card to spend in hotels and restaurants so they have not done well and at the same time if you worry about inflation that uh, MasterCard and Visa they are actually quite good hedge on inflation because they are they, they charge a fee on nominal spend by consumers so if you feel that the goods consumer goods are going up in prices etc and people are actually using the card to, to make the payment then they they do take a percentage on a back of that so so we are i think we are we have a mixture of both uh set of opportunities in the fund i, th- I think it's fair to say uh, one of one of the old market adages of course is just how difficult it is to sell um and uh, i think it's fair to say that uh blue well has, has fairly much doubled uh since its uh initial launch in, in terms of performance so have there been occasions where perhaps uh, one of your absolutely right calls is still a business in which you believe, but on traditional uh, valuation grounds, it's looking to that stage where maybe it's it's actually overvalued at the moment. Uh, I think not so much on the fund level now, because I mean we do monitor the valuation of our holdings quite closely. But if you ask me to give you a live example, which was, is something we did uh, earlier this year, was Montclair. So Mon- we do cover the luxury sector. We do like the structural trends behind that, and Montclair was one of the holdings that we have 
invested or followed through for since the inception of Blue Well. And sometime last year during the summer, we initiated a position in Montclair. And if you look at the share price until sometime in Q1 this year for about nine months, the share was up about 50%, 50%. But then if you track the fundamentals of the company, let's say the earnings revision upgrade, it wasn't 50%, it was probably like 10, 20%. So from our perspective, that the valuation of Montclair has become much more expensive. It's probably 30% more expensive than when we first invested. And at the same time, we also cover, let's say, Caring, uh, the parent company of Gucci. At the time that we initiated a position in Caring, the valuation of Caring was much more attractive than Montclair. Obviously, for for some reason that the market felt that the Gucci brand might have some issues, but based on our findings and research that we feel that that's, that is not uh, substantiated. So we feel that the brand branding power of Gucci is actually very strong and well positioned and they're going to come through this 100th uh, anniversary later this year. So we managed to switch the holding from Montclair to Caring. And then now you will see carrying in our top 10. So that is kind of the self-discipline that we have. We we don't necessarily want to trade the stock for the sake of it. But if we see a better company and, and a more attractive valuation, and they are pretty similar. I mean, you, you can even argue that Caring is a higher quality company than Montclair because Montclair is a mono brand company. There's only one brand, but Caring, you have Gucci, you have a few other brands underneath as well. So I think that is something that we do. And at the same time, if you're talking about maybe medical equipment companies that we would do something similar. You talk about maybe consumer staples coming, even within the tech in itself. I mean, we would have some company that that we felt that the valuation is no longer attractive. For example, I mentioned a sort Systems is one of the French company in design software for the aerospace or uh, manufacturing sector is a very high quality business, but then the valuation has become very expensive. So we we no longer have that in the, in the fund. And at the same time, I think I mentioned earlier that for a lot of our other stocks in the fund <clears throat> for a good period of time this year, that they have been going sideways in terms of share price. But then if you track the fundamentals of those companies, they have been going upwards. So we would rather to de- we deploy some of the cash that we have got in the names that have done extremely well, but then the fundamentals is not as strong into the names, existing names that we have at a more attractive valuation. So that is something that we do constantly. Perfect. And then that's perfectly understood. Nice to uh, nice to finish on a on a positive note as we like to. Unfortunately, we, we have uh, now run out of time. So I have to say many thanks again uh, for your time, Stephen, and, and for your valuable insights. That's uh, Stephen Yu of, of Blue Whale. Uh, and thank you for listening. Please feel free to like and subscribe. And of course, you can find much more by the way of investment insight and ideas at ii.co.uk. I'll be back next Tuesday with another Richard Hunter interview. Bye for now.